Putting your questions to the decision makers locally. This is Rumble's Radio Q&A. Welcome to Rumble's Radio's Q&A. I'm Stuart Clarkson and with me for the end of February 2023 to take some of your questions today is the Keithley and Ilkley MP, Robbie Moore. Welcome back, Robbie. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here. So lots to get through over the next uh, half hour or so. Some local issues, some national stuff. So let's get straight into it with our first question for you today from Sandra, who's in Keithley. And she says, why do you want to waste more money creating a new council? The Tories have cut Bradford Council's budget so much over, over the last 13 years. That is the problem here. Well, I think we need to achieve a new unitary authority which better represents our area. Um, and I actually think this this will be better for Bradford City in itself. So let's put this into context. Um, the Bradford District um, has a population of around 600,000 people. Um, Calderdale, which is just over the way, population around 170,000 people. Um, Gateshead Council, 300,000. And Hartlepool, about 80,000 people. So um, I actually think that if you have a smaller unitary authority that is more focused, that is more nimble, potentially more efficient, able to deliver services that meet local requirements, it's better for the taxpayer, whether you're paying a council tax or your business rates. So what I seek is a split effectively of the Bradford District Unitary Authority to create a Bradford City Unitary Authority and then a unitary authority that represents Keefley, Ilkley, Shipley, Bingley areas. And I think actually that will be better for the taxpayer because they're getting better uh, level of service provision at a more local level. But a lot of the frustrations that you have and, and that your colleagues have with Bradford seems to be about you know them spending money on essentially labour areas rather than Tory areas. So you're going to do the, the reverse and create a, a council where you have currently two Tory MPs and so any kind of Labour support in those bits of Keighley and Ilkley are presumably going to be squeezed out in the same way that Bradford squeezes Ilkley out. Well this is actually about uh, taxpayers money being spent on projects that aren't prioritised by my residents. Don't see it that it relates to anything like that and th- this is simply a case of the vast majority of council tax that is collected uh, within the constituency that I represent, predominantly Ilkley, um, the Wharfdale Ward, which is actually in Philip Davies' constituency next door, and Craven are the largest net contributors of council tax collection into Bradford City Hall, and we don't get our fair share back into our area. And, that, and, and that's because about- you mean they're, they're actually paying their bills, whereas some of the parts of the district there, you know, the collection rates are not as high, Collection rates rather are, than the amounts of money. Collection rates are dire in some of um, Bradford's city uh, centres awards and this is about the money being focused on Bradford city centre projects um, and not being focused on uh, projects that we want to see delivered in our area so actually this to me is about fairness of public services and fairness of local priorities and I generally think by having the local authority set up that we have at the moment which is a huge unitary authority um, that has got many failings and we can go into those if you wish not to mention (laughs) children's services that has uh, is in a dire state um, you can get better local service provision that is more targeted more nimble if you have a smaller unitary authority set up and if you had if you effectively split the Bradford district into two uh, I actually think that the city would be better off
off and I think the um, the areas of Keefley, Ilkley, Shipley, Bingley would be better off as well. Interesting, uh, the, the national debate that's going on at the moment with a, a, a leadership election in Scotland, the, the case you've just put is, is the SNP's case for Scotland, isn't it? So would you support Scotland doing the same and essentially breaking away from the UK as you want Keithy and Ilkley to break away from Bradford? Well, no, I, I absolutely wouldn't. And I think they're, they're very different, uh, actually, because this is about local representation at a local level. And I think you need to have different layers of government. You have, uh, we have Westminster, we have uh, devolution, which has been given to West Yorkshire. Um, and then I think you need local representation to absolutely work. So we have the umbrella set up of West Yorkshire devolution. Um, and that should work in harmony with the unitary authorities that sit below it but what we're seeing at a so, unit so why not just level. give more powers to Keithley Town Council Ilkley Town Council instead of creating another council because I, I'm not necessarily convinced that two tiers of local government actually work I think it's better to have proper empowerment at a local level and have a proper unitary authority that works on those priorities that people in Keithley Ilkley uh, want to see uh, rather than having another layer of government which I don't think is what people really want to see more politicians having to uh, interact with more politicians at a local level they like I just want to see projects get underway uh, on the ground and I think by having a simple unitary authority that is more targeted to our area of Keithley and Ilkley the better. That's what you want to happen what's the realistic chance of it happening I know you got to the second reading stage with a, a bill last year you're back at that stage now there was one letter in the Keithley News I think saying you were shamelessly misleading voters because actually very few of these 10 minute reading bills ever make it onto the statute book so what's What's your assessment of the chance of it actually happening, your bill that you're putting forward? Well, my job as an MP is to stand up for my area and I will use all mechanisms and all channels to put weight on the uh, uh, on this case, which I feel very strongly about. And I know that a lot of people in Keefley and Ilkley feel strongly about. Of course, using a 10-minute rule bill, a private member's bill, are all mechanisms of trying to achieve the objective, which is ultimately a split. Um, but actually, what we have to convince is the Boundary Commission as well, because they need to be convinced that not only is what I am trying to achieve is feasible, it is organisationally able to be achieved and there is strong will by not only people but businesses within the area and this is about demonstrating that and of course um, this would involve primary legislation that would have to be implemented to instigate a split. So as a, a member of parliament representing an area it is absolutely my duty to stand up and use all all mechanisms that are available, all tools that I have to raise this in the platform. And it's quite clear that Labour, getting political about it, don't support this proposal at all. Labour do not want us to be having our own more localised representation. Labour have made it quite clear that they want us to be included within the Bradford district. And I think actually it's much better, regardless of how you vote at a general election or a local election, to have better local representation. I think by having our own unitary authority, that would be better achieved. And if, if we don't get a unitary authority for Keithley and Ilkley, what, what's the best way of solving the problems that you've highlighted with the existing structure? Is it, you know, actually having a Labour MP here who would perhaps work better with a Labour council in Bradford? Well, I completely disagree with that. <laughs> I because, thought you might. <laughs> yeah, but and I'm quite serious about that because in my view... Why is a Labour MP going to be holding a Labour-run authority who has failed on every level to account? 
you know, as I see it, my duty is to stand up for the area that I represent and hold every organisation and indeed, absolutely, Bradford Council to account. And I actually fear for this area by having a Labour representation as an MP because they are not going to forcibly be holding failing to account at Bradford Council. Um, and it is awful to think that we are represented by a local authority who is failing. I mean, we again, I come back to children's services. You know, that is in a dire state, and that is because um, no one has been held accountable. And the uh, recent Ofsted report that only came out weeks ago uh, didn't criticise the level of service provision at a ground level. It actually criticised leadership and organisational structures at a very top level. And yet we still have the chief executive that is still in her position. She, um, uh, she announced her retirement, and I will say it, I think she jumped before being pushed we have a leader of the council who is not holding that chief executive to account if we had another labor mp representing this area do you think that they are going to be holding a labor run controlled authority to account even more i very much doubt it my other point was about investment into the area um you know as a conservative mp you recently have had meetings at Downing Street with the prime minister to talk about Edel hospital and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment and um with the health secretary a Labour MP perhaps doesn't get that access to the ministers and the Prime Minister that you do. So in the same way here, would a Labour MP get that access to achieve things with a Labour local authority? I have uh, monthly meetings, a very good working relationship with um, officials at Bradford okay. Council. Um, and, um, you, you know, but a working relationship also means standing up for your patch that you represent and make sure that uh, they are focused on delivering on the local priorities that you want to see achieved. And, uh, the point I'm making, I suppose, if you're coming out in the press all the time and saying, I think this chief executive and the leader should quit, I think they're useless why are they going to want to engage with you more and work with you more to achieve things for the area? Well, I'm certain if, if there is reports in the public domain that have been produced by Ofsted that are holding effectively the leadership to account. In fact, one of the key recommendations in that report was that all corporate parenting should be taken off the local authority as a key recommendation. That is a distinct uh, identification of failure by the local authority. I would not be doing my job right if I wasn't calling um, these issues out in the public domain. And I will uh, highlight my frustrations. Let's take the Silsden to Steeton Bridge. The money has been put forward and allocated by our Conservative government to get that bridge developed. Um, but yet the local authority have not got uh, the bridge underway and are telling us it will be 2026 before the bridge is completed. So I think it is absolutely right if I am standing up for Keefley, standing up for Ilkley, Silsden, the Worth Valley and our wider area, that I am holding the feet to the fire, not only of course to the government, but also to local representation if I think there are failures that need to be identified. Let's come on to a couple of those big projects that perhaps will define your time as the MP, whether that's just for another couple of years or whether that's for another seven years or more. Um, the Seaton Bridge was one of the things that you mentioned. Um, you know, there is a lot of disappointment that it is going to take so long at the moment. I know it's an issue you raised with uh, the Transport Minister, who's got some uh, fairly local connections here anyway. Um, what's going to happen with that now? How, how can we make it happen quicker? Well, effectively, uh, West Yorkshire Combined Authority, where the, uh, the money is being allocated to, need to get on with it 
and allocate uh, an ins- a clear instruction, uh, as they have done to Bradford Council, to um, deliver this project. I guess they would say that they've got lots of other projects as well, so why should they prioritise this one over others? This is a project that has been running on since Chris Hopkins was the MP, who successfully secured 700000 from our Conservative government to get a feasibility study back in 2016. And I might add that it wasn't until I was the MP and lobbied West Yorkshire Combined Authority, again, a Labour-run administration, to get a feasibility study study done. It wasn't released until 2020, four years later. And surprise, surprise, it said we need a pedestrian bridge. And now we are being told after the money has been allocated by our Conservative government for this bridge to be built, the project costs have gone up from 3.6 million to 5.5 million to 10.3 million over a space of uh, just under 18 months. And the local authority, Bradford Council, are coming back to us and saying it won't be until 2026 until a pedestrian bridge is put over a carriageway the queen's ferry crossing which is a huge motorway crossing over the firth of fourth between edinburgh and fife was built within this time you know this is becoming a laughing stock that we cannot get a safe crossing over a dual carriageway quickly done despite the money having been allocated already appreciate those frustrations we are where we are so how do we now make it happen Bradford Council and West Yorkshire Combined Authority need to pull their finger out and get on with it. Yeah, and you can say that, and the minister can say that, but who's going to force them to? Well, <laughs> I absolutely uh, will do as the MP. Uh, they have been communicated to by the minister who's in the Department for Transport wanting this project to be prioritised. You know, these local organisations need to just get on with it um, because until they do... Somebody from Silsden or Steeton that's making that crossing is taking their life into the hands every time they make the, that crossing across the dual carriageway. Something else you've been campaigning on is obviously the, the rebuild of Airedale Hospital. Uh, we mentioned you've, you've met Steve Barclay and uh, the, the Health Secretary and, and the Prime Minister recently on this as well. It's 18 months since the bid went in for funding. Uh, I think last spring was when we were expecting to hear which hospitals are going to get a rebuild. Why is that decision taking so long? Is it because we've had six Health Secretaries and three Prime Ministers or whatever in the last 12 months? Is that the reason? Well, uh, what Steve Barclay made clear to me uh, when I met him only a few weeks ago was he is absolutely going to be prioritising um, requests where structural risk profile is. But that, is, but that request went in a long time ago. That's my point. Yeah, and and and, and you again, know, you, you just criticised Wyker for not getting on with it. Well, this is a government decision that we're waiting on yeah, from your government. Um, I, I suppose the challenge in this is that the sums of money are significantly different. You've gone from a pedestrian bridge where we're talking about an allocation of nine million to a hospital where we're effectively talking around a six hundred million build. You know, so and it's not just the Airedale Hospital where an application has gone in. There are many rack-based or aerated concrete-based structural uh, hospital builds that have got um, not, dare I say, as high a structural risk profile as Airedale, but very similar. And of course, it is only right that the Treasury and the, um, the Department for Health look at all of these projects and make a, an allocation of funds appropriately. And also, it's right that they um, make decisions around how the new construction is going to take place, because all of these hospitals need to be done at value to the taxpayer and constructed um, fairly similar uh, through modular-based builds. Um, you know, I know that we have already drawn down funds to deal with some of the immediate issues at Airedale. Um, We've now got a new ICU unit that's been delivered under this Conservative government. There is more building works that's going on for office administration um, at the hospital which is needed. But I've been absolutely clear. Um, I have made many um, meetings with uh, the Chief Exec and her team at Airedale 
the three prime ministers that we've had, you know, and and yes, it is frustrating how many different people have moved from role. But I will absolutely be clear in holding the government's feet to the fire on this project. And I've been clear that a sticking plaster approach will not do and we need to ensure a full rebuild of the Airedale hospital of the of its original construction that was done 52 years ago quite a few messages in robbie um, about the keithley tip uh, thank you robbie for saving our tip one of them that's making keithley and please thank our mp for saving the tip a great result says michelle in sills and other issues where uh, you and it seems the local labor party here in keithley and Uh, the prospective parliamentary candidate for Labour, are in agreement that it needed to stay open despite Labour colleagues in Bradford disagreeing? Well, what surprises me is effectively this is the Labour Party putting a fire out which they started in the first place. You know, we should never have been in a position where closure of the Keefley tip, the Household Waste and Recycling Centre, was on the agenda. This is a basic level of service that anyone paying council tax or business rates would expect. Um, so I, I'm really pleased, actually, that we have saved the tip. You know, we, we had to get a petition going. We got that going before Christmas. 7,311 people signed that petition. Um, so this isn't just me um, that has, uh, has saved the tip. This is everybody in Keefley that has um, signed that petition and made their voices very um, clear uh, to, uh, to Bradford Council. Does it frustrate you that um, Bradford kind of proposed this and then the local Labour Party said, well, hang on a minute, we don't agree with this? Hold on. Labour control Bradford Council. But the executive who are making these decisions and, the, uh, and, and, and proving what the officers are putting forward are, are not necessarily councillors from Keithley, are they? The leader of Bradford Council. In the same way that you're a Conservative MP, but you don't make the decisions because you're not in government. I'm quite clear here that Labour... It, uh, control Bradford Council. It is a Labour-run administration. It is the Labour Party that proposed the closure of the Keefley tip. And yes, the local Labour Party may have said they don't want to see it closed, but that's because they saw the writing on the wall. Everyone in Keefley was furious. We were told uh, by Bradford Council that the Keefley tip was underutilised. Um, Anyone, like I do, that goes down Roydings Avenue has to queue, you know, potentially six cars deep to go and drop off their rubbish. You know, this is a something that shouldn't even been on the agenda. And why do you think it was on the agenda then? Because they were obviously looking at where um, savings could be made. But, you know, a tip is something that should be a, um, a basic level of service that is provided by a local authority. And it should never have been on the agenda. And it's frustrating that Bradford Council didn't listen in the first place um, when I had uh, conversations with them about keeping the tip open. But I'm very, very pleased that um, they've been forced into a screeching U-turn and uh, it's now saved. How much of your time do you think is taken up as the MP by issues that are actually local authority issues? So things like tips, they're not things that actually you have control over because that's what the local council does. And the point of the MP is kind of the higher level stuff than that. So what is it frustrating that you end up getting involved in those things? Not, not at all, because no. I see that as my job. You know, my job is to... Stand but is, it, is that not the job of the local opposition councillors? It's a job of anyone that's in a position of being lucky enough to represent an area. You know, I'm a good... Um, well, I'd like to think I am, but, but um, I, I would, um, you know, a constituency MP that is standing up for local issues. And, you know, you know you've come in uh, to my office on a Saturday, I've been busy holding surgeries this morning. You know, the vast majority of surgery meetings I've had in the office this morning have been on very local issues, actually. And it's, you know, asking how I can help and sort things out. That's the role of an MP.
Another of those local issues is uh, speed limits in uh, Ilkley. Um, we had a question in from Margaret, who's in Ben Ridding. She says, why don't you support the 20 mile an hour speed limits for Ilkley? We want speed bumps. We want the cars to slow down in our neighbourhood, please. So I've been very clear on this. Um, I, I think a targeted... Uh, reduction in speed limits is absolutely the right approach and having 20 mile an hour um, limits in targeted areas in in known hotspots whether that's outside schools or community areas or particular areas that are known for uh, difficulties with um, with speeding is a is a good approach um, but what we are seeing presented to us is a blanket 20 mile an hour zoning uh, across the vast majority of Ilkley coupled with approximately 100 speed bumps. I don't actually think that that will achieve what um, those that have put out the proposals, uh, Bradford Council, uh, feel it would do. I think um, a lot of people would be very frustrated by particularly the speed humps um, that are being um, that have been proposed and I actually think that frustrated by speed bumps is that because it would make them slow down well no why, why would people be frustrated by speed bumps because um, they're having to um, because of having um, driving over a speed bumps not necessarily the most in um, the most comforting feeling as you as you're going over well I think, if you go too fast over them yeah well yeah but the point is uh, i think people awareness of speed limits is much better when you are entering a, a a speed reduction area if you look at the vast majority of survey data that has been collected in 20 mile an hour zones um the vast majority of people are probably going about 30 31 miles an hour um, so not actually respecting the speed limit in any case. But if the limit's 30, they're probably going 40, 41, aren't they? No, not not, not actually the case from the data that I've seen. If the speed limit is 30, most uh, most drivers are actually doing 30. So I think if you have a targeted approach, which is outside hotspot areas like schools, which is then people are actively seeing the signage as they're coming into that area and reducing their speed limits... Okay, being having potentially speed humps imposed in those areas as they then go into the speed reduction area is is better than having a blanket approach because driver behaviour generally shows that a maintained uh, speed limit at 20 isn't necessarily sustained. And then if you're having to have speed humps over 100 imposed within that vast area, it does cause a frustration, I think, to those people that are even driving at 20 miles an hour, having to go over all of those speed humps um, at the same time. So that's why I'm not opposed to 20 mile an hour speed limits. I've been quite clear on that. I'm just opposed to a blanket led approach where I think it's it's better to have a targeted approach outside those hotspot areas. Other people will know more about the detail than me because I've not studied it in great detail. But the uh, on the kind of the bigger picture for me seems to suggest actually a blanket approach is cheaper. So is it about funding that actually you say, right, the whole of this area is 20 mile an hour rather than let's put some here, let's put some here, let's put some here. It takes a lot more time to work that out. And is that going to cost more for the council? Is that one of the reasons why? I don't know about the figures, but I would just say, even if that is the case, I think with any project that is implemented or change of strategy, you need to get um, implement what works best. That's a really local issue in Ilkley, um, clearly a, a big national issue at the moment, um, which affects every bit of our communities is the the industrial action uh, trained staff ambulance workers nurses teachers driving instructors uh, we've learned in the last few days junior doctors are going to go on strike as well a couple of people got in touch to ask us for your views on the strikes do you support the right to strike do you think people deserve higher pay will the government give in to these demands from public sector workers wanting more money i 
absolutely think it's important that a lot of the vital services that we're all using um, on a day-to-day basis have a, a minimum level of service provision and I think that's absolutely crucial. I think it's incredibly frustrating um, as many people have seen when they're commuting on the train system um, that if trains are taken out and cancelled it does it not only inconveniences them as a commuter but has a knock-on impact on many businesses those that are using the, the trains to go to schools medical appointments or whatever. So I think it's absolutely right that there is a minimum uh, level of service provision whether it's getting the trains whether it's um, within the medical profession or even um, within the teaching profession i think it's 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 incredibly frustrating that as we've seen over the striking period that that has not been maintained those workers would say it's incredibly frustrating that they're earning less in real terms than they were 5 10 15 years ago but let's have a look at what's been asked for you know some in some cases we're seeing 19% increases that are asked for the private sector are not getting that but the costs are going up for things people have got to pay more for things heating costs energy costs by 19% well, in some cases, yeah. Yeah, but is it, it? But if the private sector is not going up by that equivalent amount of increase, I think it's slightly unfair um, on the, the vast majority of people that are paying their taxes. So what, what is a fair rise for rail workers, for NHS staff, do you think? Well, the government are having ongoing negotiations at the moment, and um, let's just see where they get to. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to get embroiled into what is a, a, an appropriate percentage when we've got cost of inflation changing um, and other factors changing to do with the cost of living. But I do think it's unfair and uncosted effectively um, when every single individual, the the vast majority of which work within the private sector, are being impacted by inflation. And if we um, or the government were to agree to 19% increases, as has been asked by some sectors, that will have an impact on inflation, which impacts everybody. The government has a duty to take all of this into account when having those negotiations, and let's see what happens. Is there is there a risk that people will leave those sectors because they simply not getting paid enough, and therefore those essential services that you talked about and needing that minimum level just won't be there anymore? Well, I, I think there's there's always risk factors on 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 any um, on any public sector, um, but let's be honest, you know, public sector workers do get uh, good other added benefits over and above salary pension contributions and other added benefits to do with uh, holiday um, which is far far better and in excess than the private sector so I think the government has got a duty to do the balance uh, right when making their negotiations and also in consideration with trying to get inflation down and let's also be clear that this isn't just something that's isolated to this country you know inflation is around roughly 10% in the UK at the moment on average I think it's around 11.1-11.2% in Europe Italy is at about 12.6%. This is not something that is just isolated to the UK. This is a global inflationary increase pressure that every country is having to grapple with at the moment. Without deliberately being too blunt about it, you're not sounding very sympathetic to perhaps people who are listening, who are working in our schools, working in our hospitals, working on our trains here in Keithley and Ilkley. Do you have any sympathy for them and their ability to pay their bills? I, I, I absolutely do. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just answering the question in terms of all of the considerations that the government has got to take into account. Um, you know, I absolutely know that uh, food increases, utility increases, energy increases have all taken effect. But the initial question you asked was about effectively the right to strike. 
all I'm saying is it's incredibly frustrating to those that are being impacted by these strikes when the government is listening, the government are having negotiations that are ongoing, and the government has got a duty to take into account the private sector, cost of inflation, and in, in their aims in wanting to quite rightly bring it down and ensure that um, the public sector get a, a, a fair... Um, a fair response. Similar point as well, Susan in Oakworth, uh, there are more strikes this week in, in schools, teaching strikes, kids have had too much disruption to their learning over the last few years, just give the teachers a pay rise and get the children back into class. It sounds very simple to just say, just give them a pay rise and get back to class. It's a lot more complicated than that, isn't it? Well, I agree with Susan in terms of the frustrations that the impact this is having on kids that are wanting to go to school. But then the point but of the strike balance... is to, to cause that disruption so that people see that we need those people, isn't it? That's the point of a strike. And and that's been noted, and that's why those negotiations are going on. But I, I think just to simply say, pay them what they want so we can get the kids back into school, or pay the nurses what they want, or pay the, um, the, the rail staff what they want, isn't the right answer. You have to actually look at everything in the round, and what is the impact on what the overall arching aim is, is to ensure that people are remunerated a- appropriately, but also bringing down the cost of inflation. And also having a line on what is happening in the private sector in terms of any uh, pay increases and impacts on uh, cost of living. Peter in Addingham on, on the kind of education theme loosely says, will just send a message saying, will you come into Keithley College at some point? I, I mean, I know you go to lots of places and organisations around the area and you've been quite a champion of Keithley College in the past. So any visits planned? Uh, well, I always going into Keighley College. It was only um, I wasn't uh, there that long ago, and I've got actually uh, Kevin, who's the principal of Keighley College, having a meeting with me next week um, um, down in Westminster, where we're talking about um, further education and skills. Um, always very keen to go around uh, all the schools, and um, absolutely yes. And if he wa- if there wants to be a round table with students as well, I like doing those. Um, something else topical that's in the national news at the moment. This is from Alex in Riddleston. Uh, Mr. Moore, you voted for Brexit. Can you explain why European super Markets are pretty well stocked with fruit and veg compared to ours. I mean, I know that there is some discussion about um, you know the the reasons for it and weather and um, one of the causes in in Europe for shortages of fruit and veg. But I think the experts have said Brexit has played a part in some of the supply issues recently. Yeah, and I know that DEFRA are looking at um, uh, food security related issues. I sit on the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Select Committee. We've got a, an ongoing inquiry at the moment looking at food security. Um, and, um, you know, there are many factors actually um, when we're looking at food shortages that we've experienced. Obviously, tomatoes has been highlighted in the press. Um, and it's important that those issues are worked through. Whilst Brexit may theme as one of the one of the elements, I don't think it actually it's uh, the ultimate element or the only element in this case a um, couple of other things to get through before we finish um, one we had a question from Sarah who works for a local charity that's providing holiday accommodation for people with accessibility needs she asks what's being done to support businesses and local tourist attractions to help them become more accessible and inclusive to everyone this will benefit visitors she says but also local residents well, I think promotion of uh, any organisation that's bringing in economic growth to an area is really important um, and accessibility is key here in Keighley, um, you know, I've been very keen to ensure that when uh, the district is, uh, is awarded, the city of culture, um, district of culture as I, I call it, that we are driving down as much promotion at a local level as we can. So not only are tourist attractions benefiting Bronte Parsonage, Keighley and Worth Valley Railway, um, you know, Ilkley Manor House, etc., but also local businesses are benefiting as well. Um, and I think that's, that's actually a big partnership-led approach. That's not 
just a government issue or a local government issue. That's about tourist boards, um, individual businesses taking ownership of that as well in trying to drive that accessibility uh, issue uh, within a within the area. Back to what we discussed at the start, if you know, Keithley and Ilkley and Chipley weren't part of Bradford Council, then they wouldn't be part of City of Culture and get the benefits that that brings, would they? Well, that's a whole different discussion <laughs> on who knows. I, I, personally, I think the only reason that, uh, or one of the main reasons that, that Bradford City got it was for all the benefits that we've got here in Keighley. So it might have been the other way around. Um, okay, John Grogan, um, a name you might recognise, has been selected by Labour recently to be their candidate for Keighley and Ilkley in the next general election, whenever that might be. Uh, we've seen around the country many MPs announcing that they're not going to seek re-election or being deselected by their party. Do you know yet uh, if you're definitely the Conservative Party candidate here at the next election? So the Conservative Party are working their way around all uh, constituencies at the moment and uh, re-adopting and re-selecting. Um, I think mine's on the list in this uh, in March, um, so it's just a matter of process, really. So I can't see anything changing. You've not um, done anything to upset anybody that you know well, of. I hope not. <laughs> um, and on that theme, Joe from Ilkley asks, um, and, and this is a point we kind of touched on earlier, if, as the proles predict, we will have a Labour government next, isn't it better for our area to have a Labour MP too so they can help government achieve those big projects that you want to see happen? So John Grogan has said he supports the rebuild of the hospital, he supports the bridge over the A629. A lot of the issues that you support, he supports too because they're important locally. So... And that's what I expect from any constituency MP. Um, But, you know, let's be honest about it. John, to be fair to him, didn't make a big song and dance over the Sills and Steeton Bridge when he was the MP. You know, that feasibility study was not released when he was the MP. You know, four years it took for that feasibility study to be released. John Grogan didn't mention that he wanted a full rebuild of the Airedale Hospital when he was the MP. You know, I will keep banging the drum for this area while I am uh, lucky enough to be its MP. And I don't think that you necessarily need to have, um, if you have, a, if you are a good constituency MP, um, a local authority, which is in the same political party, or a government that's in the same political party. Um, you know, I think you have to know what is important locally and stand up for those priorities. But if we have a Labour government, which is widely predicted by the polls, and you here are a Conservative MP, you won't get the access to the minister's and the Prime Minister that you've had over the last two and a half years? Well, I never take into account polls um, constantly because the only poll that <laughs> It's quite overwhelming, matters, to be but honest. The only poll that only matters is actually the poll on the general election, which is when people are casting their votes. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite confident that we will have a uh, Conservative government at the next general election anyway. I don't see that changing. But as I was saying, you want to absolutely be standing up for your patch. And I would hope that anyone listening to this would feel that if I'm doing anything, it's standing up for local issues. And that's all that I've done over the three years that I've been lucky enough to be in this position. You brought the Prime Minister to Keithley earlier this year uh, for a visit. Uh, here's a kind of fantasy question for you. If you could bring another member of the Cabinet to the constituency, who would it be and where would you take them? The Secretary of State for Health and Airedale Hospital. Simple answer. Um, remind us uh, how your constituents can get in touch if they've got questions, they've got issues. You know, as you mentioned, you run these surgeries uh, when you're back in, in the constituency Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How can people get in touch with you? So, uh, Facebook email address, I'll give you the email address, which is robbie.more.mp at parliament.uk. I hold weekly surgeries uh, all over the constituency Ilkley, Silsden, up in the Worth Valley, and in my office in Keefley. I also do supermarket surgeries, I do street surgeries, um, so I, and I do a lot of door knocking. 
So, you know, if anyone has got an issue, whether it's a local issue or even if it is just to share their view, uh, whether they are happy or not happy, um, I'm pleased to hear from them because I can only do my job by understanding what matters to local people, to residents, to constituents. And um, the door is always open. And those uh, supermarket surgeries, now there are no tomatoes on the shelves, mean there's no rotten ones to throw at you either. So I suppose that works, doesn't it? Uh, Robbie Moore, as always, thank you for talking to Rumbles Radio. Thank you. Rumbles Radio Q&A.